Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Go on, say what you said off air about my, about my haircut. Just say it. Oh, JJ got a haircut, oh. and when you look at it from straight on, it looks like all of his haircuts, like a fade. But what you come to realize when he turns his head is that the fade stops, and it uh, is it like a? It's kind of like a. It's a mullet, I suppose, but oh. like maybe a more metrosexual version of a mullet i don't know how else to describe it really a non-binary mullet it's, it's definitely a, a hair it's definitely a haircut you've never had before and i'm wondering what what happened here um saw a picture of it thought i'll give that a go um uh it was just feeling feeling saucy um told the albanian lads said hey fellas my barbers what you think they said no problem I tried to engage them on the career of Rudy Vata, the Albanian Celtic midfielder. They were not having it. They're too young to remember him. And uh, just let him do his work. And uh, I mean... So there was no mistake here. This is what you wanted. They executed it to perfection, I would say. Do you Um, like it? Do you like... Just say if you don't like it, you don't like it. Look, I mean, it's not my favorite haircut I've seen you have. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. But but I... It's not as bad as the one... I had where it there was the big flop of hair on top and like they on the one side they went like right up like it was yeah they almost shaved half your head yeah 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 that yeah was- I didn't love that one either but when I was looking at this haircut from straight on I was like wow that looks great I thought it was a fade all the way around then I would have oh, loved it but the fact it, that the fade stops and and uh, morphs into a mullet I don't know it's not one that I would get myself but hey. You if, have a confidence if, about you where you just you do what you want to do. And who cares what I think? Uh, if if Billy Ray Cyrus 
was in a futuristic world where 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 society was collapsing, he'd have this hair. Sure. Um, JJ, quickly speaking of haircuts that maybe I don't necessarily love. Oh. Um, <laughs> this is a weird transition. Uh, I always like to point out some random jerseys that I'll see. Yeah. You know sure. what jersey? Uh, I don't know what the circumstances would be for this jersey to be purchased oh. uh, un- unless you were of this person's nationality. But you know oh. what I saw the other oh. day? Oh. A Chelsea Mikhailo Mudrick jersey. What? You, you got to want that. Yeah. Like you don't just you don't walk into a store and happen across that and say like, "Oh, all right." Like you had to you got to seek that out. That's an interesting yeah. one. That's an investment in in a future that's very uncertain. Um <laughs> and listen, uh I, I, I love that guy when he in the Champions League cameos I saw, not paying attention to the league that he played in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I I so I have a friend, John, and he has a he's an interesting collection of United jerseys. So he has a Di Maria Manchester United jersey. Oh, that's a can you yeah. wear that? Like if you wear that to old Trafford? No, you, I, I don't I think it's more, it's more of a it was bought more obviously in in hope that he was going to go on to be this great player and um yeah it didn't That's really it. work out. I'm fairly sure does he have a Memphis Depay Man United jersey? Wow. I think he may have. He, he is, it, I, there's I, like I, a very fixed period of time where he decided to go all in on Manchester United jerseys and it just happens to coincide with just like the biggest he's, disasters. He's a big United guy. He's got um He's got some. He's got some kit. He's got some kit. I have a friend who also just got a Garnacho jersey. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. And I think he's like a cult hero already, especially with that goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And look, I'm not but, one to talk. Like, I've got weird. I have an. I have an Eagles Charlie Garner jersey. So you know, like, I got do, weird do you, jerseys. Do you think it's too soon though? Do you think like people are jumping now? I remember uh, another friend of mine back in in college used to have a rule: you can't. You can't get a name on the back of a player who's just signed or just started out. You have to give him time before he gets before you put the name on the back. So I have a, another friend from the Liverpool Supporters Club got Darwin Nunez before he kicked the ball. Nunez on the back straight away. What, what, what's your thought on that? I, I, I have I, I have no problem buying a jersey of a player straight away. Um, look, I mean Nunez maybe was a risky one, but like I bought. I mean I bought an Iverson jersey for the Sixers before he had dribbled a ball you know i had a brian had dawkins lo- yeah he Eagles a lot jersey of lore. really early but but yeah. iverson had lore and he had a history well he was a rookie he was you know quite a history going into going into the pros nunez says what like one had one season this was i don't know I, yeah I, I'm, I'm okay with somebody getting excited about a new signing or a new yeah. play I, i'm all right i'm all right with that can we get excited about this podcast yeah of course we can of course we can there was a champions league uh, this week, of course, we'll get into some of those matches. Messi and Inter Miami made their um, MLS debut in season. This is not an exhibition. This was a, a league match. Um, we'll obviously talk about that. It was pretty exciting. It was, I thought it was a fun game. And and also, Don Garber had some comments that I I have to address. I like Garbage, I almost, almost want talking. I almost want to start the show with it, but we'll save it for a little bit later <laughs> wow. on. Um, and then both the, I mean, the Premier League title race was on full display midweek with Manchester City and Liverpool both in action. We'll talk about that. And then Sir Big Jim, as you call him, um, Jim Ratcliffe spoke to the assembled media, to the written media, I believe, 
and uh, addressed a lot of things, many of which were very interesting. I might want to focus a little bit later on in the show about his thoughts about uh, Old Trafford and the stadium situation. Is Gary Neville's roof going to get finally fixed? Remember he got... Remember in his laundry list of complaints about the Glazers around 2021 when when the remember when the game never happened when the protest Liverpool Man United didn't happen etc. And yeah. one of the things you go the stadium is in is it just is you know it's run down it hasn't had a lick of paint and uh, and and the, <laughs> in fairness every time he talked about the stadium there would be a following game where literally the water would pour in from a hole. Yeah, it's it's disgraceful. But I, I think it's an interesting conversation because people like outsiders, people who don't necessarily go to Old Trafford to watch games, Old Trafford is held in a, in a regard. It's probably it's one of the most famous stadiums in the world because of the club that, that plays there. Um, and so and so that stadium is held in a very high regard. But then the people who attend games there or, you know, or ownership like Jim Ratcliffe, who who is kind of responsible for this, like. They hold. They seem to hold it in a different regard, and those two things don't mesh. So I find it. I find it an interesting conversation. So we'll talk about some of his thoughts uh, as well. But JJ, of course, the most prestigious competition that was going on. Well, is that is that arguable? I was going to say is the Champions League. I don't. I know you are a Premier League man first above all else. Um, I, I enjoy the Champions League, but this week, I mean, it it it, it let me down. And by Wednesday, I was like, I was calling it the UEFA Champions League. No, anyone? Uh, I I thought the games were terrible, very poor. Um, but then again, you know, they, I have been fed a diet over the last maybe six to seven years of unbelievable knockout games. And not last um, year, not last year, no, not last year. Right? Well, we're entering the second year of 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 the UEFA Champions League. I mean, it um, really it was Real Madrid's incredible run a couple of years ago where they were just winning every game with like multiple goals in stoppage time. Like since then, I feel like we've haven't seen a ton of knockout stage drama. No. Um, and, and, and look, I want, I want to tell you that Porto, uh, Arsenal away in Porto in the first round of a round of 16, in the first leg of a round of 16 tie, the game you saw last night was the game we all saw through the nineties. <laughs> It, this is much more a reversion to what European football is like, um, and that's not that's not good. So it was it was brutal. That was start, yeah. Let's start with. I that was game. listening to the Guardian Football Weekly, and Barry Glendening, uh, I think it was, said there's never been a game where the winning goal bared such little resemblance to what went before it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny way of putting it. The winning goal was sensational. Uh, from Galeno in the fourth minute of stoppage time to win it 1-0. I mean, like I've, I just said that we haven't been served much drama. That was dramatic. Now, you're right. What happened prior to it was was pretty blah. Uh, but the goal itself, beautiful goal, pretty much the last kick of the ball. Um, incredible yeah. moment. What Can noise? We talk- incredible noise generated oh, from, the, from yeah, the fans you- there. Wow. And the shot. It's an effect. I think we need to talk about Portuguese lungs at some point. Yeah, I, I, I do think. I, and I mean, the way they talk. I heard a Portuguese man talk in the street yesterday, and or was it yesterday or the day before? But it was instantly recognizable. Much more guttural than Spanish, you know. Quite aggressive, and I think that passes into the into the roar of the crowd. 
um, so, so, so the goal is being analysed because there was so little to talk about in the actual game. The goal is being analysed to death um, because it, it it's a curly, floaty one. It's not a screamer. It feels like not it's in all. the air for a while. Right. It's more like a, a like a, a clipped pass or a cross or something. But uh, David Priest broke it down well. So he's like talking about why is Reyes so far off his line and why can he not shuffle his feet to get across because it's moving so slowly. Um, now, I think it's brilliant uh, from uh, Galeno to, to use Rice as kind of a pillar to block Rea. Like he curls it almost round Rice. Um, so David Priest said Rice can help by closing um, Galeno's right foot. And he doesn't do anything. He does what you think is okay. The kind of stand there, stand there. You know, I, I, I want that. I want that guy closed down, basically. And um, he felt no, no, no. like should... I want players closed down. I think that it's overrated when people say turning your back on the shot to it's block a criminal the offense. Yeah, people lose their minds over that. And I say your your odds of of deflecting it are basically oh. the same that way as if I just cannot standing. stand. I want full John Terry diving with hands and legs akimbo to try and to try and block this thing. Um but he said uh, interestingly the interestingly for me because I did feel Ray was weirdly far out and mm-hmm. um, Ray could help by deepening his position so being a bit closer to the line and probably moving his feet a bit. Um we should we should mention that there was one of the most in 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 a bad game one of the most outrageous uh passages of play where the aforementioned Galeno his miss in the first half which Usually from that kind of range, point blank range, I'm saying that's a terrible miss. But the nature of it means it's not. Like his, like the shot cannons off the post. Right. Comes back to him so quickly. And he actually gets a great connection, but it goes wide. And you're like watching it. You're like, how the F did that not go in? What what am I seeing here? There's there's a stat for everything these days. I need to know if anybody has ever missed two shots quicker than that. I doubt it. He missed two I shots in about half doubt. a second. I was like, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And 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 I thought it had gone in, but it, the net hadn't ra- uh, moved or reverberated or anything. So I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, Arsenal, in fairness to Porto, I think people thought Arsenal were, go- were going to go in there and hammer them. And Porto were like, mm, not really. And they were clever. They closed... Uh, Arsenal's midfield down. They never let them play. Uh, I, I limited to Arsenal. Did Arsenal have a shot on target? Sure, didn't. <laughs> this is this was. I mean, look, Arsenal have, have for whatever we've thought of, like some of their up and down play and attack this season, some of their goal scoring issues lately. They've been excellent, and by and large, over the last two I mean, seasons, look at, they've look, been contra- very good. Contrasted, and I know it's not the same opposition. Was it who who did they have at the weekend? Was it Burnley um, at Turf Moor where they just Ripped through them. It was an onslaught. Absolute. Onslaught. It was, yeah. and it was and wonderful football and free flowing, and like, like yes, it's weird. They have these stretches early on in the season where you're like something's not clicking in the attack, and we kind of talked about that. And then they have other moments, Brighton at home, uh, it, which wasn't even a great performance, but they still the floodgates open for them. Sure. So it, it's they they are a bit Jekyll and Hyde in that sense. And this was one where the 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 football god said, "Well, you've used up all your goals at the weekend. No more the the, no, the they, goals. The goals, Nazi. No goals for you. No, they were terrible. Like, yeah. They were terrible. And look, I've seen 
some of the Arsenal people that I follow on Twitter have said, I think they, they were pointing out this was Arsenal's worst performance since Fulham, um, which is one that I think Arsenal. Oh yeah. And they were desperate that day. And and, you know, this was like, if you want to know what unwatchable looks like zero shots on target, a 0.5 XG, six successful dribbles, all of this with 65% possession. That, I mean, that's unwatchable. That's seeing a ton of the ball and doing almost literally nothing, nothing with it. They just looked incapable of generating anything from open play. Now they, they, yeah. they've been good on set pieces and they, and their chances that they had in this game, both came from set pieces. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Gabriel header corner kicks. Um, and look, there is something to that. Like there are going to be games, especially in this competition, especially on the road in this competition where you're going to have to grind out results and being elite at set pieces is a good way of, of oftentimes doing that. Having a lot of the possession, not letting the other team get many chances. And then when you get your set piece, you, you pounce. And Arsenal, they nearly did that. They almost pulled it off, which I think would have been what, what's a what's kind of a soccer elitism way of putting it. A very mature performance, <laughs> I think, is how in, a, in an alternate universe, like one of those headers goes in on a corner and we're saying that about the way they mature right calculated perfect away night in europe get in get out right but instead they didn't convert those corners and what we're left with was was dreck i mean it was really a rough game and arteta basically said so afterwards i mean bukayo saka at times looked like he had a little bit going for him but he was the only one no one else was on it it was bad i mean this is like a throwaway the game tape kind of performance from them and i think if you're them you're going back home you're really good there i still think arsenal are better than fc porto i don't think that that's like a groundbreaking statement they should i think they they would still be my choice to win but this was this was not this was as unmemorable uh as as a champions league performance can get and that's a rough you know that's a rough thing to say for a team that uh, was excited about getting back to the stage of the competition. Yeah. Um, it was it was interesting to watch um, the Conce uh, Sao, the younger, <laughs> uh, play for for um, for Porto because I mean, he's on loan from Ajax because he's his father, obviously manager. <laughs> of Porto but he plays so much like his father just the, the way the way he dribbles the way he controls the ball like he's a great example of how some of these things are probably um probably gene based speaking of genes Pepe, is that a, is that oh how good are his genes i'm uh, yesterday this is how we this is how uh, me and pepe who is a year younger than me Started our mornings. What does that yeah. say about you? I know. Oh, man. But genet- g- genetics, again, bad knees. All my uncles have had knee replacements mm. before they were um, 60. Um, I started my morning by going into Manhattan to get uh, gel injections into my knees. Mm. And Pepe woke up and thought, huh, another Champions League game for me this afternoon. Remarkable. Like, truly remarkable. And I, I think he used to occupy the zone of biggest S-house yes. in, in in world football. Um, has he I, seeded uh, that? Has he has he removed his crown and handed it to someone else? Um, Gotta be somebody I feel on. like yeah. Rudiger has taken it. Yo, that's a great call. Yeah. Mm, that's a really good call on the spot. Or is he, like, no, I think Pepe was a more consistent S-house. Rudiger is a, is a, is a showboat. S house. He's. I mean, they're. Rudiger they're does the, the big things. He does the big ones. Whereas he has big flashes of S housery. Whereas Pepe has 
you know, he likes to sprinkle it throughout the game. Yeah. Could, it's like Rodrigo to Paul. Could he be in the conversation? Yes. Um, what do you mean? Could he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else would be in that? I don't know. I'll think on that. Throw it out to the animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, the all S house team. What a fun team to play against. That would be, Oh God. Um, a natural transition point, JJ, going from Pepe. So on the same day that he plays, Lamine Yamal plays for Barcelona and was pretty good. I mean, look, it, this also was not was not a great game either. Pretty rough oh, game. Both Jesus. teams, I think at one point, was it Clive Tilsey on the call where you know, either him or who whoever he was doing the game with, was it Rob Green? I can't remember. But they, yeah. they made some, some comment to the effect of like, this does look like two teams that have kind of been off it lately. And, yeah, and and and, and, and who, who would have thought if if last year or the year before I told you, well, Napoli will play in the Champions League against Barcelona, and it won't be great. You'd be like, what? But yeah, I yeah. know both of these teams winning winners of their league a year ago, and both trying to like you know fight off this poor form of what this season has been of like really disappointing curtain calls to what were really successful seasons a year ago. I paid this game zero mind, except to, I saw I saw the two goals. So I, ma- really... I made a mistake. So I was the Liverpool Luton Town game started at two thirty, and this Barcelona Napoli game started at three. I was locked in to Liverpool Luton. Saw Luton Town's goal. That game was you knew there was probably going to be an exciting second half to come. But at three o'clock, I knew you were going to be watching Liverpool, and I thought, well, one of us should be watching. Like I know JJ's got the Liverpool game locked down. One of us yeah, should right. probably have Barcelona Napoli going. So I switched over and. What a mistake. What a mistake. I mean, the second half of the Liverpool game was unbelievable. Klopp was compared. We'll get to it later, but Klopp's comparing it to the Remontada. Uh, and, and yeah, then- we need to talk about that. About um, that was a night of uh, second he, half vibes. He, got, he was a big Klopp vibe. Got a little, Klopp got carried away. But uh, we, yeah, no, we'll, I, t- I think it's very, very. Yeah, kind of- Barcelona in the Champions League semifinal, Luton Town in the league. Sure. Okay, <laughs> fine. Not carried away. You're right. My bad. I think he's trying um, to create a moment. Uh, I think he's trying to be an, um, a managerial influencer. Okay, uh, that's what he's trying to do. But we'll um, get to that. Yeah, um, yeah. This, so I thought, game, I thought, yeah, I thought Lewandowski's goal was tidy, nice goal for him. Very. Uh, and Oshiman's actually was just really nice strength and skill and buried it. So uh, yeah. he other made than an, that, and Igor Martinez looked like a little boy on that one. Yeah, didn't he? I didn't mean, he? like when you think of Oshiman, you think of a lot of qualities. I'm not saying he's weak, but like. You know, when you think of like who are the strong, like, you know, Alan Shearer was like a strong striker. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's the first thing you think of with a guy like Oseman, but I'm, increasingly it is for me. Yeah. He's so, and he's so dominant in the air or it can be so dominant in the air as well and as well as on the deck. So increasingly that's the way I'm thinking about it. But um, yeah, finally poised, Andrew, that tie. Finally. It is. And I, it was, I saw uh, Javi's interview with CBS afterward, which was enjoyable. You know, you can tell him and, and Thierry Henry have, a great relationship with each other it was it was good um but you know he was very complimentary of his team said how happy he was with how they performed tactically um really thought they deserved more they i mean they did have some chances that they probably would like to have back that maybe they could have done better with but eh, they weren't i didn't i don't know i didn't think they were great it was interesting but what's javi supposed to do now though andrew like because he's in the final hours of this relationship you like, may as well just stay positive you stay positive why, why be embittered you know um yeah. You're, yeah. you're breaking up. Someone else is getting the dog. Just, just stay happy. One thing that he said that was interesting, uh, which I like actually from a mentality from the manager, he was mad that Barcelona were not more aggressive after they scored. 
he 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 felt like there was blood in the water there and they it was not the time to kind of back off and let Napoli take control of the game which is what happened he wanted his team to go for it and they didn't and Napoli took the initiative and wound up getting the equalizer um you know watching the interview with Javi just kind of thinking about like Henri during the interview he paid him a, a big compliment he said the only person he said Javi is basically the only person he knows that has a soccer brain to this level it's him and Pep like those are the two that that Thierry Henry, a footballing genius. Those are the two guys mm-hmm. he knows that have that kind of brain for this sport. I like hearing him say that and knowing like where you know Javi's leaving. He's announced he's this is yeah. it. I am almost more than any manager in the game right now. Klopp, Javi Alonso, Javi's career and what happens next really fascinates me because he did yeah. come into a situation in Barcelona that was not good and he did win a league. And that has all been kind of forgotten, it feels like, because of what's happened this season and because they didn't qualify for the Champions League knockout stage last season. But um, also the the things he'll have to face down the line because of the way the club is is, is run and, and has been mismanaged. Well, and because... You know, there's no future. Like a lot of these, some of these young, great players will have to be sold. They'll have sure. to be sold. Yeah. And you're going to continue with this kind of shopping in the in the bargain aisle or attempting to shop in the bargain aisle you know you, you're going to see guys who are either at their peak or or just gone over the peak trying to get them in and convince them that this is a project worth being involved in like Gundogan is the classic example of that mm-hmm. uh, Le, sorry Lewandowski is I mean Lewandowski is he's 34 yeah so like kind of you see I mean look he's, he's played better lately what he's got five goals in his last four games something like that but like he's on I, the other side and you're looking at is. Real Madrid who are just stockpiling quality youth midfielders and quality youth attackers. And you're thinking there's 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 a, a fallow period unless Barca can be really clever, really clever or get more Wall Street money or more Spotify money or more of their players. I mean, their players are doing give Spotify. away more of their media rights. I mean, Yeah, whatever they have to. I mean, just literally sell their soul to stay in touch with the with with what Real Madrid are. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard. There's a, there's a and, gap opening up for that second spot in uh, in Spain's elite. And the Xavi thing is just interesting to me because, like, it was all like I've talked about on this podcast multiple times. His whole career was building up to this. Like, this was now they had the Pep era. You know, they bridged the gaps, Luis Enrique stuff like that. But like, this was supposed to usher in the next great era of Barcelona, and it's not. It hasn't come out that way. Whether it's his fault, I don't believe that it entirely is. He hasn't done everything perfectly, but he's a brand new manager. Like. You know, so because it was building up to this and it hasn't gone the way we planned, his reputation as a manager has taken a hit. But then you hear Henri talk about like his football mind is there with Peps and that and they're in the class of their own for people that have he, he have come he's come across. You know, there's all this talk about what's Klopp going to do next. Will he manage again? Jabby Alonso is the big it manager right now. You do wonder, like, like Xavi is kind of the black sheep of this moment of of managers for big clubs and you do wonder if like someone is going to kind of fall into um like uh, the next world-class manager that maybe people didn't believe that they were really getting and this guy is going to have to go somewhere else to prove to everyone that that he is that guy where he lands next is especially with what could be like a kind of summer of flux on the managerial front, what will be a summer of flux in the big jobs in european football where he ends up is fascinating and maybe he'll take a, a year off I don't know, um, but I'll be, I'm just, I don't know. I'm very curious because I loved him as a player. Um, love that he won the league at Barcelona. Feels like there's something cool about that. Um, 
but a lot of people are down on him. And I'm just curious where this all goes next. Uh, let's see. We'll move on, JJ. Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, another mm-hmm. uh, kind of rough one. 1-0, one mm-hmm. uh, Inter Milan, uh, the team leading Serie A right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering in in watching that game, you know, boy, Inter Milan, they did have chances. Lautaro Martinez, he's an interesting player. So so we've had that. We, popped right into my head. Um, CBS crew, who I just love their analysis. Well, I love Henri's analysis, and I love I love Carragher's analysis. It's a great and, show. And they do. There's a really great show. Oh, my God. The depth they go into is really, really good. Our, and I, I just love how Henri, or I love how Kate preps Henri and Carragher with, like, Something that pundits don't do enough of. Tell me about something that's similar from your career that can relate to the game. Uh-huh. That is so interesting. You know, we saw it there with the Xavi and the Henri interview. Like that, that stuff's gold, man. It's absolute gold. I love hearing that. Um, but they didn't go in on Lotaro Martinez the same way I have in the okay. past. <laughs> All right. He is just short. And allow me to do some Harry Redknapp stuff of top, top level, isn't he, though? Let's be honest. Like whenever you've watched him, he's he's. It's not that he's not good, and I don't want the Syria and, and he, he does put up numbers. Like he's yeah. his last few years at at Inter, he does he produces. But when he, you you're, him, but you're right though. I agree with you. You see him in the big ones, massive nights in Europe. He's that bit short, isn't he? Come on, you have to join me in this. Yeah. Otherwise, because yeah, I can I mean, hear. Do you hear that noise in the background? That's everyone who watches Syria more than us. Filing in to destroy us. I just feel. Do you think so? Do you think that that maybe? Well, it'll be interesting. Syria diehards view him in a different way than like Champions League viewers. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, if you look at his his output, he does produce. Inter look like they're. I mean, they're on their way to potentially winning the league this year, and he's going to be a big part of that when it's all said Mm -hmm. and done. But you do, and I you've seen it for Argentina as well. Um, you know, chances do, a bit short. Yeah, there's yeah, he's a weird one. He's just kind of yeah. a weird one. I don't know. And I'm not saying he's not gonna finish his career and have, have you know he's kind of like there's a couple of guys like him uh in in Syria and a couple of uh, a couple of guys who just to me are like they've got great number like immobile to me, hard okay. worker, like definitely. Just that bit short, and when every plays for Italy, I have zero faith, zero faith in him. Uh, Bellotti, another one of those guys, just no. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, um, but anyway. with this game, one thing that I, a player who I thought was on it, Marcus Taram looks like a really great player. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I really love his game, and then he had to go off at halftime with an injury, which was on, which was a blow to enter. Uh, Marco Arnautovic then comes on, who's another one well, of these. Strikers are kind of like he's pretty Andrew. good, um, and and a chance falls to him that he's got a score on. He's from just a few yards out, skies it over the bar, but sure enough, then makes up for it later on and gets the winner for them. You felt good after he missed. You know, you saw missing that earlier chance affected him. Um, um I'm I'm just going to read you his uh, his his career, and this is the career. This is the European journeyman. If like the fact now that he is. Um, 34 and he's rocking up to to Inter Milan is is so is so curious to me on loan from Bologna um 20 Inter Milan loan Werder Bremen Stoke City West Ham United Shanghai Port Bologna Inter Milan I went back and I saw 
I, I tried to pick a big game he was involved in at Stoke. So this is from the 5th of December, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stoke City 2, Manchester City 0. Uh, Arnautovic with two goals. Man of the match, Jordan Chachiri. Mm. Uh, Pellegrini, manager of Man City. Uh, this was the this was the Stoke formation from that game. 4-5-1. Um, Butland in goal. Nice. Johnson. Oh. Glenn Johnson. Ryan Shawcross. Walshide and Peters. Remember Peters? Eric? Was it Eric Peters was his name? I can't remember. Then Shachir, the midfield was a midfield of five of Jordan Shachiri, Arnautovic playing in a wide position on oh. the left. Huh. And the midfield three was Afalai, Stoke City, Stoke City's probably every man, Glenn Whelan. <laughs> and guess who the other midfielder was? I don't know. Jeff. Cameron. In midfield. In midfield, no less. He's a Stoke City legend, when... that guy. He, he's what? He's a Stoke City legend, that guy. 100%. I remember he ended up going to QPR and they play, they played in midfield for a few games. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Bo, Bo, uh, Boyan up front. Oh, okay. Yeah. So What an interesting team. Boy, Stoke yeah. City Stoke City had some really interesting seasons. I mean, they were top half of the table for what, like three straight years? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And then Mark Hughes came in and they fell off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just kind of, uh, oh, that was under Mark Hughes. Okay. Oh, have manners, JJ, have manners. So very, um, very interesting there that the career of Marco and out of it. So to see him popping up in the year of our Lord, 2024, just scoring winners yeah. against, against, <laughs> against Tom Waits' Atletico Madrid is, uh, quite something. <laughs> um, yeah, I do wonder if you're Atletico Madrid, I guess this applies to a few of these games, Arsenal, um, you know, this one as well, uh, they lose, but they lose on the road and now they go home. I wonder if Atletico think, okay, like, yeah, we would have liked Great to results. Have gotten a draw Take out of that. this, but, but I think they might feel like oh, it's okay. Like we're okay with that. No, I think they're absolutely fine with that. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Well, not fine. Nobody wants to be beaten, but like they're, they're still in it. Yeah. It wasn't a great game from Griezmann who's been so good this season, but I, I would be surprised if there's, if there's not more to be heard from, from Atletico. I, I feel these first legs are all phony wars. Kind of so does fun. feel like that. Uh, and let's go to the last one now. PSV and Borussia Dortmund, 1-1. This one maybe with a little bit more life to it. Certainly a little bit more controversy. Uh, Daniel Malin making his return to his former club. And it is... Non-celebration, celebration rating? Yeah. Uh, he, I mean... Very good. It's a 10, right? Like he, just didn't, he didn't celebrate. and he didn't do anything. He did no... Ha- he did no hands, you know, no Declan Rice hands, you know, like, oh, it's so tough for me. Please don't celebrate. Don't even celebrate in my vicinity. None of that. He just didn't celebrate. I can't believe that goal went in. Just then, like the way it left his, I mean, look, he smashed it. Credit to him. And it was well-placed, but when it when it found the back of the net and like it hit off the bar and kind of went across the line, like it took a second to realize that went in. It was that, is that bad goalkeeping? Can a goal not be scored from that angle or did he hit but it just perfectly enough? Just no, I don't have it. Also took a defle- it took a deflection too, which um, I'm sure didn't help. Uh, well, it helped Malin. Did, no, the deflection helped uh, Daniel Malin. And, but it carried, yeah. I, I feel like, and um, I, I'm, I'm going to look it up right now just to make sure, but I feel like it carried the ball high. Mm-hmm. which put it out of the way of the keeper. That's how I felt that goal went in. Um, 
let me have a look at it here. Yeah. I mean, it, when it left his foot, I just, I don't know. I thought, okay, he'll get a corner out of it. Oh, wow. It's a goal. It's in, huh? All uh, right. But he was, I mean, he was dangerous throughout. You could tell he was up for this one. Obviously, it's Champion League. Yeah, let's 16, have a look. But... See, it takes on two defenders. That's too easy to get past two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it... Oh, he put his hands out. He did put his hands out. Blessed himself. Put his hands to the sky. That's all right. And then hugged okay. Sibitzer. Yeah. Okay, it's not. It wasn't as uh, nonchalant as I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those like it's it's deflected around the goalie. Oh, it's gone so high, Andrew. It's gone so high, and it actually gathers pace off the deflection and undersided the crossbar. Not blaming the keeper there. Okay, the keeper gets a pass there from JJ. All right, all right. Uh, this ended one-one, of course, because PSV equalized on a penalty. Ugh. What do you think? Not a penalty. Yeah, Matt and Matt's Hummels was furious. He took to social media afterward. What did he say? Twitter waits for it. Twitter gets it. Uh, what a joke of a penalty against us. Again, I cannot believe there can be decisions like today or, or against Chelsea or PSG with the VAR. So uh, the VAR basically is not going to overturn a decision like that. That's what um, uh, basically what uh, Christina Uncle said, the referee's expert. Uh, says it would not be a preferred decision to give a penalty. Um, but they don't want to re-referee uh, and subjective they want, decisions. They don't want to re-referee, so that's it. So, so it's uh, kind but, of one but, of those, whatever the call oh, is on, on the field though, is what like, stands. Yeah, I, I kind of... Harrow made the point, look, when you make a challenge, your foot has to go somewhere after you execute the challenge. But but for me, we know those ones. Well, he's gone. he's got the ball, but he's gone through the guy. We know what those look like. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. It's not a penalty. Can't be given penalty. But again, uh, I think it was Mika who, who got it wrong. Mika was talking about the high bar for like, the high bar is basically a Premier League diktat. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it apply in the in the Champions League. We've seen some dodgy handballs and dodgy things being given as penalties in sure. European football. High bar is a Premier League thing. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, oh, Sergio Dest. Oh, ah, had a had a had a had a decent game. I won't say spectacular. It was decent, and then he lined up. I mean, it's probably going to be it. This will this will be the entire content of the hype video that he he does. had one for his highlight reel that was oh, nice that rolled the foot over the ball and made the guy tangle his legs up, and then the wrong decision. It could have been America one two beats the guy's total skill. I know there's a defender kind of behind and close to Pepe. Slot it for Pepe. Give it to Pepe. And he never. He shot from that angle and, yeah, forced to save. And and, and it's, it's funny because I think Pepe shouted at him. Like, there was there was definite eye contact. I wouldn't call it a glare, yeah. but there was definitely like, but like what, what, you? what the F, bro? Like, what the F, yeah. And then, if we're talking about American moments, Malik Tillman. Um, Frustrating game. Frustrating game. He's one for me. I'm still not sure. And I don't, don't start giving me Rangers player of the year stats. I don't want to hear about well, that. Well, he, he still... has generally, he has been very good for this club. Right. I, 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 th- I think that like the fact that this game was one, one is a testament to just the, the nature of, of this, uh, of this game on its own, because at periods, the gap between the two clubs seemed massive. Like it did. Um, this is a great result for PSV. Yeah, um, although I thought PSV are the one who squandered. Like, if a team was more likely to have gone on and won this one, I think 
you could make the case for PSV. Like Tillman scuffed the chance. Um, Johan Bakayoko, who I who I do like, he struggled. He had a, the the uh, the volley that he kind of scuffed from point blank range early on. Had a poor first touch later on, which could have been a one v one with the keeper. Like PSV, I thought did have some chances that they just couldn't take advantage of. You uh, might be right. Yeah. You might be right. I it I was, don't know. Again, it wasn't a great game. It was another one of these. No. I do wonder, JJ. Like I've seen a little bit of this. I wonder what you think. The um, uh, the XG was one point five three PSV point nine zero for yeah. Uh, uh, that's okay. That's man, man. Probably what I would have expected there. Do you think the the away goals rule oh, haven't yeah. gone away? Do you think that that's what we're seeing here? It's killing the big swing. It's killing the big swing. Like, is, is that preventing Arsenal in some way from like going forward a little bit more on the road? No, I I I. I, I... Arsenal were just stopped. I, I, I don't think Arteta would go out and, and be, let's be cautious here, keep it tight, you know, uh-huh. Neil Warnock style. Um, I, I don't think it was that. But I do, sure, I I mean, do look, think... Yeah, even Javi said after they scored, I wanted more. I wanted us to right. be more aggressive. So they, right. I don't think it didn't that. change mentality. No, I don't. I don't I, in, in these round of games, no, but I think generally it will. Like, I missed the big swing. Like that goal, and you're like, oh, suddenly everything's changed. Yeah, You've but sometimes, from... sometimes the big swing kills games prematurely, though. Like a game that could still be that. I don't. I don't know. The big swing doesn't bother me as much as maybe the way the game is played. If if these teams go on the road and aren't looking for much, and it's creating these one nils, one ones. I never wanted rid of it, so I'm. I guess I'm a traditionalist in that way. But no, but not for these games. Like the, these were just poor. A poor bunch of games. That's it. There's nothing more to it. I I love to remind people on this podcast. You know, for all the blather and nonsense you hear, the beautiful game. Oh, you know, isn't it? It's 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 the world sport. This game is often, more regularly, quite quite dull. We're all just chasing the next France Argentina. That's all this is. We're chasing That's that. All next, this cause, is because when you because when you get it, there's no. I don't know if another sport can quite produce. Correct. But that, you have to, you got to search for it sometimes. And it's or, still, it's still better than rugby, and it's <laughs> and it's less stop start than rugby, and it's less stop start than a lot of other sports that we watch, and we love that. Um, but we, like you said, we are chasing, we're chasing Leicester Watford. We're always doing that uh-huh. because those moments, the way they deliver, I don't know that other sports can compete with the with that kind of drama. Nope, no, um, close. Second leg still to come for these Champions League ties. I guess the good news is most of these are all finely poised JJ as we head into those second legs. So maybe there is still drama uh, down the road here. I'm not, I'm not giving up hope just yet. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. When we come back, a bunch of things still to get to on the other side, a little bit of a quick U S men's national team thing, obviously some Premier league title oh. race stuff, MLS off and running. We've got Messi. We've got old Trafford lots to do actually a, a big part two coming up, maybe even bigger than part one, JJ. So don't go anywhere. Definitely more, bigger. more caught offside still to come. 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, we'll talk Premier League title race stuff in just a sec. Before we do that, I, I wanted to mention something and get your thoughts on it. I'm sorry to drop this on you, but uh, oh. I saw a tweet that uh, Greg Berhalter of oh. uh, the U.S. men's national team received oh. nearly a million dollars, $900,000 in bonuses for helping the U.S. men's national team qualify for the 2022 World Cup and then guiding them to the round of 16. So his base salary his base right. salary in 2022 was $1.4 million. And with bonuses, um, his earnings grew to 2.3 million. That's so the U- the Washington Post, right? Okay, so the U.S. job is right up there in the top ten best paid managers' jobs, if not top five in world football. International managers, not club. International manager. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. I think that look, it's a big job. Um, we have you know even if the U.S. aren't on par with those teams. The expectations are high here. It is, you know, for whatever you want to say about the U.S., it is a strong, its economy is strong. It's one of the financial <laughs> co- capitals of the world. Like it, it is a technology. I, I, w- I would like, to, I'm not upset to find out that the manager, it, this is not a bear halter thing. This is just like whoever occupies the position. To me, as an American, that's a really prestigious job to hold in, in sports in this country. If you're the manager of the men's soccer team or the women's soccer team, in this country, you should be paid a lot of money to do that job. I'm okay. from the right. sports culture. It's not a bear halter thing. And look, yeah, if like if Mourinho has it, it'll get more. But like generally speaking, I'm okay with the person who has that job getting a lot of money. Right now, the FAI are scrambling around, according to Gavin Cooney of the 42.ie, are scrambling around. They're two hundred thousand dollars short of getting the the guy they want for the Irish international job. Lensman. Lee Carsley. Chris Coleman was mentioned. He's now out of the running for that job. Um, 200,000? This is what short, it's come, this is what it's no, come no, no. down to? They, they, they're short. But I'm saying of, that's the difference. In, yeah. in they need to make up. like. But they're in debt. Like I this mean, is the, I they can't were, they believe. Were, they were bailed out by the government. You know, the, the mismanagement. Champagne football. Uh, Paul Rowan, Mark Tyg. Go and read it. Anyone, just go and read it. About John Delaney and the FAI and how the, and how the association was run for a decade. Read this that. Is, this is if two hundred grand is yep. going to prevent a managerial appointment for a national team in this day and age, where I mean, money in this sport it's silly money and money is thrown around on the most ridiculous of things. If that's going to get in the way, then then, then that's bleak. That's right. bleak for for your national team program right now okay I, I i agree with you now am i saying do we know for sure because we don't know where carsley is on it but are we no, do we know for sure that that's definitely the different the one of the like one of the problems it appears to be one of the issues is it the deciding factor i don't know that would be bad if, if he winds up going somewhere else and is a huge success and we came to like this is like didn't this happen to tottenham and jack Grealish, where like tottenham weren't willing to go like three million pounds more or something they, tottenham tottenham capped out at what was it 15 million they said Something that's like it. That. Le- yeah. Levy said we're not going any higher than that. He's not like not, and he was young. Remember, it was yeah. when Villa got relegated. 
and uh, and there was some release clause. No, I'm glad for him that he stayed on at Villa to stay up, but it was two solid seasons out of his career mm-hmm. at Villa, and and Tottenham wouldn't do it, wouldn't go to twenty. I mean, so you you know you make your point, that's fine, but to what end? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, well, considering if, some if, of the players want to achieve, if you believe in a guy and you want to achieve results, sometimes you in in sports, sometimes you got to overspend. Uh, I know, so, but uh, you're right about the bleakness. It's it's yeah, yeah, that's rough. By the way, anyway, I thought, um, I thought I'd give you that update. Yeah, Spe- speaking of Bearhalter, real quick, I saw this tweet that I thought is a really interesting conversation, and it's not today, not for today necessarily, but soon. I just want to put it in in your in your the back of your mind because this right. is stuff we're going to have to be getting to soon. Uh, at uh, tactical manager posted this. Um, Greg Berhalter is going to have a very tough decision next month for the U.S. men's national team um, striker position. It's a 23-man uh-huh. roster, so he will likely bring two. Balogun is the best center forward we have, but is in awful form. Pepe has been the best performer for the U.S. men's national team out of the three, but barely plays for PSV. Sargent uh-huh. is the worst of the three, but is scoring almost every uh, single weekend. And Greg worst. likes worst. They're not the same kind of player, tactical manager. Well, he's just saying that... Yeah, uh, yeah, the worst. Bri- okay. Brian Scaretta, who's uh-huh. also a, a really good follow, he followed up, said, tough decision for Bearhalter. If he's only going to take two center forwards for Copa, that means one of Pepe, Balogun, or Sargent is cut. Sargent is playing the best, in my honest opinion. Of course, you wonder if Pepe would accept an Olympic invite. Pepe and Maguire would be two excellent age-eligible forwards on the Olympic team. This is interesting. This is fascinating because, like, they are. Could he? Could of... he? Could he? Could he do something clever and consider Sargent's ability to link play and do things like that and put him in as a midfielder? Uh, I mean, then... I, I, there's yeah, there's no rules. Like, there's sure, no rule. he can do whatever he wants, but are you jeopardizing another position if you bring? Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. So it's just that I don't know. Right now, by the way, the reason I say it's probably not a conversation for today. A, there's a lot of stuff happening right now we want to talk about. But I don't know right now what I would do. And I kind of want to see this play out a little bit more because um, all those points are true. Balogun is not playing well, but he's like the one we hold up as as the guy. Pepe has done well for the U.S. in his appearances, and Sargent is on fire right now. But he's been kind of an also-ran in terms of what we think of that position. So I don't know. I don't know. Here's one thing I will say. Tactical manager saying that Sargent's the worst of the three. I don't know if I can say that straight away just yet. Sergeant has has had injury problems. Yeah, um, he's doing it in the championship, which so maybe that if, you know lessens what we see of some of his achievements a little. I, uh, I think we should get out of that mindset, though. I think the championship is a very good level. I really do, um, and it's a tough level. And he's shown a lot of but, but playing with does, does playing well in the championship move you ahead of a guy struggling in league? Uh, uh but or, we but we've done this before, and and it's um, tough. We've done this before about, you know, uh, it's not always an international. You want to get your players playing at the best level possible, but sometimes a guy can slot in an international football and be just fine and he's not playing, you know. True. He's not playing in 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 um in the very upper echelons of the game. Anyway, true. something for another day. Yeah. Here's what I know about it. Whatever the decision is, it will be used to beat Bearhalter with mercilessly after I mean, he takes I, the decision. So I just saw he's on. We're going to have to tune into Alexi Lalas's State of the Union because he's yeah. on State of the Union this week. There you go. And uh, first question: If he doesn't do well at the Copa America, what about his job? So straight to it. Yeah. And in fairness to Alexi, and again, I hear stampede of people saying that I should not be giving him any fairness. But in fairness to Alexi, why not open with that question? Because that's what everyone's doing on every 
everyone else is talking about. Yeah. Better have a good Copa or this guy's gone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. I'll check that out. Uh, JJ, Premier League, title race, full display, midweek. Oof. Um, Manchester City defeating Brentford 1-0. Um, also, I guess, kind of falls into this midweek malaise a little bit. and Also not an incredible game, but important game for Holland, uh, oh. who was really come... Coming a really good of, goal, too. Yeah, it was a good goal. And he was coming under some criticism over the weekend after missing some big chances. In fact, I've seen that like his missed big chances number is right. It's like right there with Darwin Nunez's. They're kind of the two of them are, you know, are there yeah. together. Now, I, like I always say about Nunez, it, it is a skill to get into a position to have a lot of good chances, even to miss them. Um, and can we talk about his finish against Brentford at the weekend? And we might as well. First of all, our dear departed, he's not dead, but our departed Jota, what a header to put in Nunez. Like an unbelievable header. And he's racing through, and I'm like, genuinely, guys, don't know what he's going to do. What I didn't expect him to do was scoop it over the goalkeeper. Like, that's not a chip. That's a scoop mm-hmm. with his foot with such perfect dexterity that it goes over the goalkeeper who hasn't gone to ground. The angles of success there are just so small and it plops right in under the crossbar. A brilliant goal. A brilliant finish. The fact he's trying that. Unreal. Anyway, continue. And that was obviously against uh, against Brentford. Yeah. Um, who was also the opponent for yes. Manchester City. A uh, little bit of um, Norwegian on Norwegian crime with the Holland goal. Um. I do think Ayer slips, but like like Holland causes him to slip. Didn't look good. Uh, I mean, no, it looked awful. It's scrambling. It's one of those like it, it was. It's like the Jerome Jerome Boateng versus, or was it Boateng versus uh, uh, Messi, where he slips and falls. Oh, over I don't know if it was that bad. And he falls through the hole into another space and time and through, you know, like that. <laughs> this, I love that. I mean, was this really? Is this meme worthy? I don't know. Oh if it was that it, bad. no, 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 no. But, but. Uh, we've been treated to, we've had to pay serious attention to Brentford because Liverpool play them at the weekend and now City play them straight after. It's been a dreadful week for Brentford centre-backs versus the league's two best strikers in Salah and and uh, and Haaland. First, you had Nathan Collins isolated, alone, adrift against Salah for, the, for Salah's goal, which is a great finish, but terrible 1v1 defending from Collins, who I actually really like as a player. And uh, and uh, and now air getting um, getting minced, just yeah. very bad. Yeah, uh, another one of these games where, boy, his name doesn't get talked about a ton because he doesn't score a ton of goals. And again, on Manchester City, it's hard sometimes to stand out. There's nothing that can happen, JJ. I'm going to say now between now and the end of the season, Rodri's on my team of the year. Oh yeah, you can't you can't have a a best 11 in the Premier League at this point, I think, and have him not on it. I think he's he's reached that level for me now. Ah, he's very good, isn't he? He really is. He does good. everything. Like, he has he, added he some scores. goals. But, like, and his he's distribution. A very, like, yeah. his, some of his, like, his floated balls to the back post. Like, he's just got everything in his game now. I, I, I think when he arrived at Manchester City, I looked at him more as like, okay, is he the Fernandinho replacement? Like, is he going to just be a shield he's, to the oh, back? He's, more he, than he's, that. Every, he's everything. He's everything. And we've seen that happen with midfielders who go there. 
you know, Gundawan became, uh, I think, a more complete player at Manchester City. And I think Rodri has now, he's done that too. He's everything for them. Yeah. I, I just love watching that guy play. Um, Liverpool, JJ, what a game. Good Lord. And they go down 1 0. Um, and the first half for Liverpool was rough. Uh, so I went into the Monroe, by the way, full on a I Wednesday. Mean, we're getting to that point now. Uh, we're getting, we are, we're, we're, it's a title race and you're leading it. Like you, we're getting got, to that point. You got to book your spots now. You really especially with City, with City only getting a point over the weekend. Like but it's the, starting to feel real here. The silence amongst my my brethren in there was was interesting because Shadozi Agbene had put them uh, put Luton one nil up as I was walking down. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let me just say because of, because of the Liverpool second half, we, we we this might get lost. Agbene gave Gomez just a a nightmare game. He's a, I mean, first of all, his speed. We all know the speed that Agbene has. He's ridiculous. He's a nice player. I, I look. I'm not saying that I want Everton to go down, but I will also be sad if Luton go down because I, I do. I, I do I, enjoy them. Yeah, I don't. I don't wish to uh, inflict pain on on Everton supporters. I'm not really like that. Um, but I will. I, I, I'm. I am enjoying Luton. Everything except their fans. Like I really am. And um, and Agbene. Like he's probably going to get snapped up by someone. His career, like arc from Rotherham to Luton to the Premier League, like this has been amazing. Anyway, um, there was a lot of nervous people. I was going to ask you people. at halftime what was what was going on. I mean, the general sense was that we will get a goal, but they weren't like Liverpool weren't playing well. And when you see the way you see and hear the way Klopp spoke about the game afterwards, how much he loved in the first half, but that final bit was bad. Jurgen, it was dreadful. The final bit was usually it falling to Elliot or Diaz and then blasting one over from 13 or 14 yards. We couldn't break through. A couple of times Diaz did down that left-hand channel, but it never ended up in like a a real great kind of opportunity. Um, maybe maybe once or twice, but like it wasn't a good first half. The second half, there was this kind of coming together, shooting into the cop, of manager vibes. The the manager was berating the stadium. <laughs> berating the stadium. Like there's pictures of him getting shout shouting at annoyed. This was almost like Klopp wanted to create a vibe. And actually, can we listen to the Klopp audio? Yeah. He talks about young players. He this is a guy now, this is a guy who is living out you know the way they're on the, the 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 Klopp farewell tour. No, no, Klopp is in his brain, drinking in all these moments, and also trying to influence things because he's going away, and these are the last times he'll be here ever. He's he's creating this kind of atmosphere. It's not it's not it's not the media. It's him in this game. Listen to how reflective he is uh, about young players and also about the stadium uh, in this piece here with um, where he's talking to BT. Then the kids came on, the kids started, some of them, the others came on and they did an incredible job. So it's it's cool how a culture educates the next generation, to be honest. And it's like, yes, Curtis is injured in the moment, but I said a, week, a few weeks ago, if Curtis Jones can learn defending, everybody can learn defending. And the boys, if you see a Bobby Clark and, um, and Jane McCallum, oh God, and, and Trey 
sitting outside and um, and and you think oh, maybe you bring him or stuff like this just because the boys boys are that good. Um, but in general, how the stadium and the team together um, changed that game is was just exceptional. Like you generally don't hear him say stuff like. Uh, it's cool how a culture educates the next generation. Yeah, this that's is a great almost, line. Isn't it? That's a really, this is, that's a pretty profound line. It is. And he's, he's almost now, uh, he's on the side of a hill looking down on what he's built with a comment like that. You know, he's reflecting. But in the other, in the other. Uh, well, it's sentence, this, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I feel like it's this, it's this importance of making sure you've left this thing in better hands than what you received it as. How is it? Absolutely. But that's the mode he's in now. And it's creating vibes, Andrew. Yeah. Like a one, a home game in the same way he created this togetherness. And when the two, with the two, two draw at home to West Brom, where he made them like cheer the cop, he's doing the same thing now with the, uh, a, a squad that's missing probably their best player. Their best player might not play again this season in Diogo Jota. Um, he's creating this atmosphere, this vibe. You know, the same way against Barcelona in the in the Remontada game. What did he do in that game? Like, they were missing Salah. They were... Um, Andy Robertson went out. Uh, Gini Wijnaldum didn't even start the game. Like, uh, Shaqiri started. It wasn't a full Liverpool side. Origi started. And And... They created a vibe. Why, like, I don't want to say why not us because they're Liverpool, but he is creating this. Out of his leaving, he's creating this vibe. That's what I'm getting. Uh, then he said, in general, how the stadium and the team changed that game was just exceptional. We all know about European nights at Anfield, big nights at Anfield, and the way things can go. God, we've talked about it ad nauseum. But last night was was the manager influencing that, making it happen. Like screaming at the cop, like crazy stuff, mad stuff. And um, then, I mean, were the so I haven't seen that the celebration police had an issue. Four with it, stands, four stand celebration for a win against Luton. Again, that's what it, in a vacuum, it's a win against Luton. But you know me, I'm anti celebration police. It was a big win for Liverpool. They're in a title race. They had to come from behind. The, like they, they're missing key players. Like it, it's yeah. his last season there. Like he. I'm fine. You know, I've got my issues with Klopp. He can celebrate however he wants in a situation like that. I'm okay. Oh, four stand celebration. Yeah, like I'm fine he, with it. I got no. Uh, it was amazing. But again, he is he is using the energy that he's feeling, the emotion within him. He's using that and physicalizing it and transferring it to try and. I mean, this sounds like, this sounds like a a, a new age yeah. kind of. Um, you know, manifest your dreams. I, I honestly, I've never seen anything like it last night. Like it was, it's mad. I, I and I don't fully agree with him. The second half was a great performance, you know. But he's talking about the counter press being at a level. Like, did you see Luton? Luton tried to play out in the first half. They couldn't do it. Like they constantly turned the ball over because they're not a good enough side to do that. But yeah, what Klopp is doing is so interesting, and I'm wondering minus. Okay, Trent, I, I don't know what the story is with Salah. I well, he re-aggravated the, his injury, didn't he? Right, I presume the hamstring felt tight again. Yeah. Um, Allison, hamstring again, don't know when he's going to be back. Nunez, not sure what the story is. Jota, probably not going to play again. And Trent, don't know. So, like, in the absence of some of this, like, the guy is creating emotional, like, legitimate emotional football to carry this this thing on a wave. That's what I felt last night. 
it's pretty incredible. I mean, you look at, you know, a big game, title races on, look at some of the guys playing, you know, Jarrell Kwanzaa, Connor Bradley, they started this game. Bobby Clark, mm-hmm. James McConnell, Jaden Dans, these guys came on. <laughs> Harvey Elliott, you know, Harvey Elliott is one, like we've seen this now with Liverpool and it's what makes this version of Liverpool so great. Um, it's been Connor Bradley. It's been Curtis Jones. Like different guys in different moments have had to step up for this team, whether it's out of necessity or just because Klopp has put them in the right position. On this night, it was Harvey Elliott. He became the guy. I know you said he might have struggled in the first half, but Opta Joe posted this, JJ. At age 20, Harvey Elliott tonight was the youngest player on record, so from 2008-9 onward, uh, to, uh, to score, have five or more shots, create five or more chances, and have 10 or more touches in the opposition's box. He had 17, created seven chances, uh, and oh, and also make 25 or more passes ending in the final third in a Premier League game. No, uh, at, at age 20, he did that. I mean, you talk about a complete game for a player. In a moment like, where they needed it, they're down a goal, and okay, who's who's going to step up for us? The usual suspects are not out here to do it. So who's it going to be? 20-year-old Harvey Elliott was the one. I, uh, yeah, unbelievable. And Van Dyke smashing the header home, then the quick response with the Gakpo goal, like that volley, like McAllister volleys it at yeah. him and he reacts his head really, really quickly and, and then they're and then they're rolling, man. And they're and they're rolling. And it's and a lot of it is that is is that momentum. Stats guys don't like that word, but it's real. And especially when you got the stadium behind you. Um interesting night. I don't know can we win a league without Diogo Jota. Do you have the horses? That's the question. Salah, I, don't Trent, I mean, you went through them. Salah, Trent, Jota, Allison, Nunez. Um, we don't know. Some of those guys will be back. Jota, yes, like you said, not sure. But, you know, it's Man City that you're trying to stave off here. And Arsenal, too. Um, but City's the one that you really worry about. Look, little, more than Arsenal, I think. Look, like what? What a football club! What a football club! After that game midweek, now what's happening? We're off to a League Cup final against Chelsea, and I have no. That game could be really exciting. Ten o'clock on Sunday. Um, that game could be super, super exciting. Yeah. Um, because like Chelsea with their little bit of resurgency after a brilliant performance, we should we should know it at the weekend. Um. Like one of those where you're like, okay, that felt like something clicked. Like their defenders, the way they like um, showed up and and really were like celebrating the art of defending. And then they were so good on the break and probably should have scored more against City. And then you've got Liverpool who are definitely injured and weakened, but yet riding on the vibes, the vibes train. Could be a great game. Yeah. Um, So there you go. Fun stuff. It'll be fun this weekend. JJ, let's go to MLS now. It's off and running. Began last night. Is MLS back, Andrew? It is back. MLS is literally back. Um, Inter-Miami 2-0 over Rail Salt Lake in the season opener. Fun game. Some interesting moments. I mean, we'll talk about a a bunch of things, but the goals in particular. Um, The opening goal, I mean, here they are. Busquets to Messi, you know, and then he plays in a well-weighted ball to Robert Taylor, who finishes it off for the first goal of the season, the goalkeeping from Zach McMath on it. Like there's no way around it. Yeah. Messi got an oh. assist. That's cool. Robert Taylor continuing his form from last year, but that's, that can't happen. I don't know what happened to McMath there. If, if he just misjudged the speed of it, or the bounce. start to the game, he'd made one good save already. Tipped yeah. one around the post from yeah. who was it? I can't remember, but Diego, um, go, from Diego Gomez. Yeah. Gomez. It was. Um, yeah. But this, this one was terrible. I don't know how, not a whole lot of other analysis to provide to it. I mean, yeah, watching the build-up play from Inter-Miami was fun. Like, it, that's 
it's going to be like that all season long. Busquets to Messi, and then you know who knows what happens from there. It just let him do his thing and improvise. But yeah, the goalkeeping on that one—it's hard to escape the fact that McMath. That was just a that was a bad moment. That was can't let that happen there. Inter Miami's too good. You can't give them those. Um, and then the second goal, eighty third minute. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about how are these guys going to hold up physically? What are we going to see? Well, it's the 83rd minute um, and Messi late in this game, he's showing no signs of fatigue. He's charging at Salt Lake's defense. He finds Suarez, one touch pass to, uh, to Diego Gomez, who finishes perfectly into the far corner. That seals it. But, you know, they kept coming even after that. Messi, right after in the 85th minute, he launched another attack. Great passing. It all ended at Suarez's feet. And he shot it at McMath, uh, and it was saved. If Suarez taps that back to Messi, it's an easy goal. I mean, it, it should, they should have scored. Suarez should have laid, laid that Super back safe. to Messi. Because yeah, it's it going. You see it from behind the goal; it's going in. Yeah, um, and then even right after that, Messi again creating more danger. Deeks out a couple defenders. It was beautiful move in the box. He just can't keep. Uh, he couldn't quite beat McMath from a tight angle. Um, you know, it's game one, but like you know, it, seeing those guys in the 83rd minute and onward Suarez and Messi um, kind of playing the way they were. You thought, okay, well, they still look fresh, uh, which again, I would hope they would in the first game, but you know, yeah. So fun game, uh, even, you know, prior to the goal, um, you know, on the Messi with the free kick early on in the game, perfectly placed in the top corner, but there's, there's Justin glad to spoil the fun headed it off the line. I mean, that that's what you have when Messi's taking free kicks, especially from straight on. It is, it's almost a fireable offense to not have somebody back on the line like that. And like of course, where, he hits the Justin target. Glad was. And Glad just heads it over. Um, yeah. Now, I will say, um, Real Salt Lake, they should have tied it in the first half. Sergio, Sergio Busquets, I don't know what he's doing, but a terrible giveaway in a really dangerous part of the field. And then Andres Gomez takes it, could have laid it off to like two different guys. Instead, he he's playing some hero ball there. Uh, tries to go it alone and just pushes the shot wide, but he, he made he got, either of those passes, they probably score and tie it. There was two glares I saw in this game. One was Robert Taylor after after the first goal, he took a shot from way out on the right hand side, and it goes right. And Messi gives him the full glare and the hands out. Like, what are you doing? Keep the ball. Why are you shooting from there? Is the reverse allowed to happen? Glare back. Like, no, no, no. If let's say Messi takes a shot like that when Taylor thinks he's in position, no, 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 no. Is Taylor allowed to do that? No, when you play with the alpha, (laughs) okay, and that happens, what you do is you go, oh, and then you clap towards them. You put the thumb up saying, yeah, unlucky. Yeah. Okay. We we played in school with, um, uh, on on our school team with a player who was, uh, destined for the League of Ireland. He was just that good. He was top class mm. and he went on to have a 22 year career in the league of ireland whoa when he made a chat when he uh when you didn't pass the ball to him when you should have you got the most unmerciful bollocking in the world mm. even at like age 14 or 15 i'll never forget it he screamed at me once i tried to cross it to him but i shanked the cross oh, okay. and he just screams at me afterwards the ball dribbling the goalkeeper's hand he goes that's your problem jj you get in a good position you're too selfish like screaming at me but i tried to pass yeah I'm but just not my ma- problem my problem isn't selfishness it's talent didn't matter but I'm every not good time enough. but every time he would take a shot like there was one where he like blasted one over the bar it was a decent connection but still goes over the bar and the chorus from all of us sycophants on the team was like 
everybody almost at once. Unlucky, Rafi, unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the way it is when you're the alpha. Yep. And Messi is very much that. Yeah. Not going to see many Robert Taylor. He's got Messi and Suarez next to him. Not going to see many glares from Robert Taylor this season. No, um, he's going to be minimal glare. Some of the other highlights on this one. How about Messi dribbling through four defenders in tight quarters in the box and then still having the vision to chip it back post uh, where Julian Gressel uh, just vo- he volleyed just wide. What about that was actually finish, but such a, a lovely – well, he's he's a quality uh, acquisition for them. Yeah. Um, uh, Gressel. Um, and then so JJ. Much of, so much of Miami, so much of everything they do is get the ball to Messi, then watch how how four or five Real Salt Lake fe- de- players or defenders feel the absolute need to get close to him and then leave everybody open and Messi yeah. just flicks it outside of the boat and then they're in behind. Yeah. That's the game plan, guys. Yep. And I, I will say on Inter Miami's behalf, um, like... One thing you that I don't see much of, and I imagine we won't with guys like Suarez and, and Tata Martino managing them, um, it's not like there's not much standing around going on. Like when Messi gets the ball, you wonder, are people just going to be in awe and kind of just watching him do his thing? You don't see that. Like Robert Taylor, Diego Gomez, like they're the legs for this team because Messi and Suarez aren't really going to be that. They're making runs. Like they are on the move a lot. There is a lot of motion. It's not just standing around. Let's let Leo do his thing. Like you do see a lot of, there's a lot happening out there. And no. then, I mean, we can't get out of this without talking about a thing that I don't think I've seen before. What's that? And I think if you were a fan at this game, this, like you wanted to see Messi score. That's what your, your ticket hope you hope that gets you. But in hindsight, watching Messi with a, a, injured body on the ground watching Messi almost seek out that body so he could chip over it and then attempt the shot that might be more unique than actually seeing Messi score I've never That's... seen him do that it's <laughs> unbelievable is it disrespect I don't know what yeah. you call it I think I mean it was... it's like it's like Iverson the cr- where he steps across the body on the ground like Tyron Lou yeah it's like, a bit like that it... except Iverson's already taken the shot um I think it was Andrew Brody it was hard to tell if it's not, if it wasn't him, I apologize to him and his family, but for the sake of this conversation, let's say it was, if you're Brody, because right. I saw this circulating, this, this question being asked on Twitter last night. Now for me, the answer, the answer is simple, but I'll ask you if you're Brody, if Messi scores the goal there, the shot got blocked. So we'll never know, but let's say he scores there. Are you quietly happy that now you're it's one of the messy forever goals, even though it happened for Inter Miami and MLS, whatever. It's it's a forever messy goal because he's never scored one like that, to the best of my knowledge. Are you happy if you're Brody that you're now part of an all-time messy moment? No. No. I, I saw people saying that bro uh, whoever it was, people didn't know in the moment who it was. I'm I'm suggesting it's Brody, but people are like, he should be mad that that shot was blocked. You could have been a part of of like a messy magical. No oh, way. If no. if I'm a defender, like like what the picture I'll put on my wall is me like tackling Messi or something like that. Not him humiliating me in front of the uh, world. I worry this, this conversation is veering into a weird area where we're not considering other MLS players as professionals or, or okay. even people. They're or props. <laughs> right. So, and, and, and again, that, that will be exi- at some point that will be an exhibit in an MLS haters uh, video catalog on X of how this league is is um, is not serious. Um, no, you've got yeah. I I I, I didn't like that. I, I do you know what I was interested in as well. I did think that uh, as the game wore on, Inter Miami got gassed really really quickly, 
and it definitely opened up chances for RSL. Um, and they're going to need Drake Callender to be good because he's going to see shots. And he was last night. He tipped the uh, header over the bar. I was straight at him, though, Andrew. Yeah. Like, he may, he'll make But he's save. a good keeper, though. Like, And and we're going to find out because he's going to – They're. you're right. In the second half from, like, the 65th to 80th, God. I feel like teams can get at them if yeah. they weather that storm like we saw last night. And then With the Messi – Right, because, like, Messi doesn't run a ton, so he could still have energy in, like, the 85th minute. Like, it's kind of – what you saw basically in last night's game is kind of the formula of what Inter Miami might be this entire season. Score early, try to weather the storm the best they can, seal it late. Like that might be what they are. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I think, yeah, and we'll see how far that can carry them. There's, while we're talking, there's, ma- there's many hurdles to come. While we're talking about Messi, I got to bring this up. Uh, Don Garber, he was on hand, of course. And I saw this tweeted this um, from Alex Silverman of the Sports Business Journal. Um, I guess Don Garber, he had spoken to Don Garber and Garber made the question came up about how the league is covered in like a post messy reality. And Garber is suggested that he's not pleased with how the league is currently being covered. And he said this, it's easy and somewhat lazy for reporters to just write about Messi. It's like writing about Taylor Swift. There's so much more here that I think people need to recognize. And remember to stay tuned following the game for our our exclusive broadcast partners release of the brand new documentary, Messi's World Cup, The Rise of a Legend. And JJ, if you're looking for more, check out Apple's other Messi docuseries, Messi Meets America. Not enough yet? Go to our official website, MLSsoccer.com, and scroll down a tiny bit until you reach the Lionel Messi section, where we have our official Lionel Messi tracker and where you can purchase his official togetherness jersey for a cool $195. Don't want to have to do all this work yourself? No problem. Sign up for the league's Messy Insider, where all of this content is sent directly to your personal inbox without you having to lift a finger. This is all MLS stuff. Don Garber is the commissioner of MLS, but journalists are lazy. All right, fine. JJ, do you ever watch the show I Think You Should Leave? I bet you would like it. Brilliant show. It, Brilliant yeah, Tim, show. Tim Robinson's sketch comedy show on Netflix. It's very funny, easily bingeable. It, I love it. But he's got this one sketch where a hot dog car <laughs> careens out of control, smashes through a storefront window, harrowing scene, could have killed a bunch of people inside. And the people in the store are all irate because whoever was driving the hot dog car isn't behind the wheel. He's taken off, or so it seems. Um, because in the fervor of all this scene, there's a man now in the room wearing a hot dog suit who is suddenly in the store and has this exchange with the other angry customers inside. Someone drove a hot dog-shaped car through the window! Driver's gone! Somebody call the cops! We need to find that driver! They could have killed someone! Whose car is this? Yeah, come on! Whoever did this, just confess! We promise we won't be mad! What? Well, close our eyes, just take your car and get out of here! Sir, that's clearly your car. Wrong! JJ, I need to know if Don Garber was wearing a hot dog suit when he gave this interview. Oh, why, oh, why is Messi being covered so vigorously? Watch our documentary. There are so many great stories in this league. Why just him? Buy the jersey. It's just pure laziness. Sign up for the Messi content delivered directly to your inbox. Who could possibly be responsible for this? I mean, come on, man. Like, if, if Don Garber, if he wants other stories to be covered and you want to emphasize that, that's fine. By the way, we agree with you. Like we talked about it with Tom Bogart the other day in the MLS preview. Go listen to it. Um, But when you change the tone of the conversation 
and start accusing journalists and media of laziness in their coverage, that's when we have to stop and call foul. Because look inward. Like, look at Apple. Multiple documentaries about this one guy who hasn't even been here for like five months, six, not a year. You know, your own league website. Look at it. Like, if you want other stories covered, fine. Don't say it's laziness. This is what you're pushing to everyone. Imagine in my single days, you you threw a party and I turned up with Scarlett Johansson. And all everybody was asking me, hey, what how you and Scarlett Johansson? How what what's going on here? And I said, guys, guys, come on, come on. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about I've got a new job. You see the apartment I moved into? Come on. And did you see the score the goal I scored at the weekend? I want to talk about that. We don't have to talk about this. Yeah. There's more to me than me dating suddenly from nowhere, Scarlett Johansson. The hell, by the way, there's some sketch comedy shows traditionally are hit and miss. There's some absolute belters I, like that. I think you should. Oh, it's, leave. it's laugh out loud there's, funny. There's one where the guy is obsessed with like some kind of jazz, and they're doing a they're doing a uh, like it's um mime you know they're playing charades or something i i haven't seen it in quite a few years they're doing charades and uh, hey and he's doing these obscure jazz characters and nobody's getting them come on <laughs> he used to do the he used to do the colgate radio hour and it's really blank faces it's, it's very very good it's uh, hilarious but, but so, you're right i i enjoyed that that's that's a, that's a good takedown by you there um having said that like we'll that cover everything, bad. but like, but <laughs> I, I'm locked in on Messi. And if journalists want to keep covering him, yeah, there's a point of oversaturation. But for now, the opening game of the season that MLS decided to make their opener and put on like the the bright lights for this one, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with getting a lot of a doses of Messi. He's a joy to watch. It's awesome that he's here. But yeah, cover other stuff too. But like, lazy, come on. Like that's that's just not. I don't know. Yeah, the media can be lazy with certain things. This one that feels a little bit unfair to me. Um, can I? Um, can the way I do, the league is pushing it. Garb has been talking about other things. Can I quickly get to the U.S. Open Cup, which is near and dear to many people's hearts? Okay, no, I would say to this podcast too. Um, so he's his. Here's where his comments on the current state of uh, U.S. Open Cup and the involvement of MLS uh, in it. He, he began his comments with, we've done an enormous amount in supporting the pyramid. If not, uh, I'm reading from the Athletic, if not for MLS second teams participating in the USL when they relaunched, I'm not sure the USL would be where it is today. And we would have been more than happy to stay in the USL if we were not asked to leave. So I want to put in perspective our commitment to the lower professional levels of soccer in America. Our investment in MLS Next Pro, which is almost unprecedented in professional soccer, that one league could be launched in 30 to 35 teams that are developing players that ultimately will be participants in the U.S. national team, help seed our first teams in time. That's an enormous investment in the pyramid. But the question is, does that investment have to be with another league that ultimately we probably don't have the best relationship with? Not by our doing, by the way. So this is... Like the soccer wars that were rumbling on in the backgrounds of the internet for a while are now bursting forward. And a lot of the things people are saying about MLS wanting to be soccer in America and, and, and eviscerating competition and not playing nice with competition appears to be the case. Um, and then he makes a complaint about, about scheduling. 
Garber said MLS is committed to participate and to what level is still to be determined with the US Open Cup. We will continue to do what we can to support the US Open Cup, but we're not going to do it in a way where the entire onus on making that tournament work is on major league soccer. Garber said it needs the support from our federation. They've pledged to show more support to that. It needs to make more sense for our players and for our clubs. At this point, we're subsidizing that tournament. Hmm. Basically, what he's saying here is, why are we paying into a tournament where other leagues are involved in? Why are we doing that? Leagues that are hostile to us, leagues that we're hostile to. We want this. They want the whole focus of soccer in America to be on what they're doing. And by the way, the, the, the schedule is cramped because you made up a tournament to bung in the middle of the season. Again, oh, no. Man in hot dog suit. Yeah. He enters the room. 100%. This is man in hot dog suit level stuff. But it's, it's a bad start to the season um, for, for there's so much going on with MLS that you can get not, excited. Yeah, not to but... mention replacement referees, who, by the way, I give them credit. They actually, in a tough spot last night, like not only are you thrust on the stage of having to do MLS's first game of the season, but it's Messi and Suarez. Like they did all right, I thought. But, yeah, but look, Garber says, just to, to wind this up, Garber says he doesn't know what he, he Garber is claiming that the the professional referees organization and the union were at odds over what was wanted or that they had agreed to the terms and then the, the, the union voted against it. Yeah. So, so he, and so Garber says he doesn't even know what they want yet, which means that's more negotiation. That's more meetings. That's more time without top referees in the league. This so much, is, so much posturing though. It's hard to say like, who, who, knows? I don't know. who yeah. really knows anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see two final things. I want to close on, uh, close out here. JJ, uh, Thomas Tuchel, obviously we have to mention becoming the latest high profile manager to announce that he'll be leaving at the end of the season. Whatever happened to just a good old fashioned resignation. I'm, I'm done here. I'm leaving. Why not just do your job? And then at the end, see ya. Yeah. But now it's all like, I- I'm leaving in four months like that. That's the new in thing. That's very, it's very in vogue for managers to announce that they're leaving later. Oh um, yeah. Well, it gets, it gets, puts the name out there. It starts conversations and it gets people aware that you're out there and you yeah. want to be wanted. Um, I guess it gives them like a few stress-free months where they can maybe rebuild their reputation. And if they don't, they were leaving anyway. So what's the big deal? Like, I don't know. Um, Tuchel's career is so weird. Yeah. He's an elite manager. Like, yeah, he is. Um, He's got a champions league, but I don't know. He has some, like, he has some weird failings in, on his resume too. I guess they all do. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of who the other managers are that are like in his tier. Because he's not in the top. If if Pep, Ancelotti, Klopp, like, is that the top tier? Um, who else am I? I know there are others. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Is Simeone, is he top tier? Oh, he's top tier. Um, um, I'm just wondering, like, who's in the Tuchel class? I, I, I haven't put much thought into it. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe the animals can weigh in on who they think are, like, the contemporary, like, the other managers in, the, in Tuchel's tier. Because he's such a weird one. Um, would, I don't know. Would Ange be in Tuchel tier now? Not, not yet. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Jeez. Well, I don't know what the a, tier is. I don't know. We're trying to. We're sort of finding our just way below, through. Here. Just below the top top managers. Yeah. And, and so now, yet another significant uh, suitor enters the room for um, Jabi Alonso's services. I mean, Bayern will definitely. I would think he'll be a top target for them. Obviously, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, Nagafiortov, our friend, uh, is, was doing like a power rankings of where he's going to end up, and Liverpool are in third on that. Oh, behind Munich oh and behind Real Madrid. Real Madrid still? 
I thought Carlo wasn't leaving. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Well, um, he signed a new contract, but yeah. And then, uh, and then finally, we mentioned this at the top. JJ Jim Ratcliffe has been speaking, and he's been speaking about wanting a new stadium for Manchester United. But he doesn't want to just refurbish Old Trafford. He wants a new Old Trafford. He said, uh, what we can see so far is a really good case to refurbish Old Trafford, probably about a billion pounds in cost. You finish up with a great stadium. It's probably an eighty to 90,000 seater, but it's not perfect because you're modifying a stadium that is slap bang up against a railway line and all that type of stuff. So it's not in an ideal world. Manchester United needs a stadium befitting one of the biggest clubs in the world. At the moment, it's not there. Old Trafford maybe was 20 years ago, but it's certainly not today. Um, And he, he goes on to say, because there's been reports that they, they may want to st- uh, seek state uh, state support in terms of funding this. He said the people in the North pay their taxes like the people in the South pay their taxes. But where's the national stadium for football? It's in the South. Where's the national stadium for rugby? It's in the South. Where's the national stadium for tennis? It's in the South. Where's the national concert stadium? It's the O2. It's in the South. Where's the Olympic Village? It's in the South. All this talk about leveling up in the Northern powerhouse. Where's the stadium in the North? How many Champions League titles has the Northwest uh, won? And how many Champions League has London won? The answer to that, mm. Northwest has won 10. Liverpool, six, has won more than us. And London, Chelsea has won two. Where do you have to go if you want to go to the semifinal of the FA Cup and you're a Northern club? You have to schlep down to London, don't you? So what happened to HS2, which was going to be a substantial amount of investment in the North? What happened to that? They canceled that. And where are they going to spend that? They're going to spend it on the rail network in London. Um, he wants a new stadium. He basically wants a Wembley of the North, which would also, it would host FA Cups. Uh, it would be Manchester United's mm. home ground. It would be where the national team would play in addition to And he to wants Wembley. it on the site of current Old Trafford. He wants to level Old Trafford and put this up. He wants a brand new stadium. I don't know what, what like, but it couldn't be on the exact United, site. Moving United from where they are, I would. Maybe it's across the street. I don't know. Like White Hart Lane. Like, you know, it's in, yeah. they didn't move neighborhoods. They just literally moved across the street. Um, oh. I don't know. I'm guessing it would be something like that, because um, I think he talks about wanting to sort of refurbish that neighborhood. Uh, but he, he sounds like he really wants taxpayer money too. He want. I mean, yeah, yes. I don't think there was any. There wasn't any sugarcoating that. Uh, and he was basically not. saying they deserve it. Um, In the tribal world of football, Andrew, I'm sure that's going to go down great. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> let's great. all contribute to Manchester United's new gem of a stadium. Yeah, nah. Yeah. Right. It's not like contributing to Wembley. Again, that's a national team stadium. Now, he's saying he wants this to also be another national team stadium, but that's hiding behind what it really is, a stadium for Manchester United. Um, We'll see. He's ambitious. American billionaires, mostly, to cream the profits off, and him a billionaire himself. This this is bad. This is a bad idea, Big Sir Jim. I would keep your mouth shut on that one. (laughs) He's ambitious. Liverpool had to refurb and refurb. Borussia Dortmund the same. A lot of top clubs are going. Chelsea are going to have to probably refurb within the, the what they're doing now, and they have refurbed in the past. Sure, I don't think. But who's his audience here? Does he care? Like, is he just trying to right now get on the right side of Manchester United supporters? Because if so, maybe they like to hear this. This man is all in for our club. He wants a better. He wants a better facility. We all know the stadium is not good enough. You I know, remember he, Liverpool supporters upset about the the idea of moving to Stanley Park, which is literally right beside yeah. where the stadium is. So I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. That'll be something to watch because this guy, he's he's out there now. His his twenty five percent or whatever, it's been ratified. He's he's now, um. So and he's not, you know, he's he's not he's not quiet about some of these big issues of what it's going to take to improve this club and and what the state of the club has been uh, up until this point. He's made it. He keeps repeating about how this is the focus is going to get back to football and this. Imagine you're imagine you're an Everton fan though. All that money pumped into that stadium and the docks. All the hassle, 
all the potential hassle to come. Yeah. And Big Sir Jim is looking for uh, for state funding. Yeah, those same fans can be paying for his new stadium. Yeah, that? yeah, we're not just paying for our own; we're paying for for yeah. United's too. Not going to fly, Big yeah. Jimmy. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But I just thought some of his comments were interesting. Just Google. Interesting. Uh, he said a, a lot of stuff. Um, Google it and like go through it because it is worth your time. It's pretty interesting to see, you know, his, just his views on the club as he enters. JJ, what a show! Holy cow, that was uh, that was fun. Big weekend to come. Like you said, a, a trophy will be handed out this weekend. So uh, between Liverpool and Chelsea, that'll be a lot of fun as Hope well. There's goals in it. Yeah, I know. Don't want penalties again. No, thanks. Yeah, let's get a nice 3-2, like a dramatic 3-2. Like Union Saprisa the other night in the Champions Cup. Yeah, after the the greatest own goal in the history of own goals. JJ, this was a lot of fun. Hey, to you I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 